The Tolkien Stigma podcast featured Garrett Thomas and me, Craig Doyle, talking to other well-known guests about stigma and how we can make stigma a thing of the past through knowledge and education. Listen to Garrett talking about his HIV-positive diagnosis, how people have treated him, how he has felt since he announced his status back in September 2019, and how through scientific advances, being on effective treatment means the levels of HIV are so low in his system that the virus cannot be passed on through sexual contact. The intimate discussions draw on personal insights of Gareth and other special guests, comparing and contrasting their experiences of stigma. Hello all, and you're very welcome to Tackle HIV with Gareth Thomas and the Talking Stigma podcast series. I'm Craig Doyle, and throughout this series, I'm talking to Gareth, my pal, famous sportsman, nice fella, bit of a laugh, you know who he is, and other well-known guests about stigma and resilience. What is it? What is stigma? What's the effect it has on people? How do you fight against it? What's it like to experience all these important things that a few years ago we just wouldn't talk about, but now we do. And it's so, so important because the power of conversation is huge when it comes to this subject. And that's what this podcast is all about, helping people overcome stigma and what needs to be done to make stigma a thing of the past. Now, joining Gareth and I today, I'm, I am so unbelievably excited and I know you all will be too because this man he just epitomizes what it was like to be a proper sports star back in the day now we've great sports stars now don't get me wrong but there was a time you know when you could be a world champion a world beater and still be a really nice person still be on all the tv shows all the radio shows all the posters and still be a great bloke and just have little things little nuances that were instantly recognizable um, and this man just epitomizes all that. And, and I've, I'm just going to, before I introduce him, because I have a kind of feeling about people who are boxers, right? When they become a heavyweight champion, you should never use the word former heavyweight champion. Like being the president of America, you're always president. You're always a heavyweight champion of the world. Because I'm delighted to say, join us today. It is Frank Bruno, ladies and gentlemen. Frank, <laughs> Yeah, he speaks Welsh. Yeah, that's it. Oh. Yeah, thank oh, you very much. That, that. Was very kind of you. Well, it's true, Frank. It's true because that was a very, very special era of boxing. I think yeah. about your career 40, 45 fights, 40 wins. I mean, you know, there's the likes of fights against Lewis, but you fought Tyson twice. Yeah. Twice. Ah, uh, <laughs> your career is extraordinary, and yeah. I'm just so delighted you're with us today. Um, Cheers, how are you? Very, very you good. You know? you? Very happy. Very, very good. Very chilled. Nice to be on the show with you guys. I'm very good, boss. I always thought you were a very chilled guy, and I thought, how do you remain that relaxed and get into a ring with these, you know, demons of, of the boxing ring like Tyson and Lewis and alike? Each sport's their own, you know what I mean? If, if you want to go in the ring, you go in the ring. If someone punches you in the mouth, it, all the nicest goes out and you want to punch him back in the mouth, you know? So <laughs> that's where you've got to be, that sort of sport. And the only thing is one man against the other man, not like rugby or whatever. It's a tough man sport that is. I'd rather do boxing any day. Oh, I, I, lo I love the fact, I'd let me tell you now, I would rather play a game of rugby than stand in a boxing ring with Mike Tyson any day of the week. Let me tell you now, Frank. I'm telling you, rugby is a very tough game. Very tough game. I, Do you I, know, yeah, sorry, go on. 
Frank, Frank, when, when you were boxing, my 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 grandmother Peggy, God rest her soul, and my dad, God rest his soul. There's a few still alive. My mum's there. Don't worry. But we used to watch your fight, <laughs> and we all hated when people punched you. Yeah, he, you know, he, he is. He's kind of, I, I suppose, in a world of you, 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 you kind of associate, um, I think, Frank sport of boxing as you know, people used to play up to this character and used to kind of wanna portray an image. Mm-hmm. Um, of of toughness, but in a certain way of toughness. I think Frank, to me, was kind of the first, almost almost showed a sign of vulnerability and allowed that. Now you know people talk about vulnerabilities now as people's greatest strengths, and I think Frank was ahead of his time where he felt like he would you he would allow you into his life a little bit, where he he'd allow you into his real character, into his real persona, rather than this. This fake, and I think that's why people loved him so and still <laughs> love him so much. <laughs> Cheers, boss. Yeah, <clears throat> you're always very open, Frank. Though was that a conscious decision that you're you're so open to the public and the media? My mum always says that the Queen has got trouble in you know, in the house, or everybody's got some sort of like drama, you know. But manners take you a long way, and it, it, it you know sometimes you let someone out and you don't say thank you, it winds you up. But if they wave, it's nice to have a little wave or good morning or how are you, sir? And to have it's 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 built in, you know, to have manners, not to let anyone take the Mickey out of your manners, but it, it goes a long way. And that comes from a very special place, doesn't it? Because yeah. the way you were brought up, Frank, it was all about good manners and respect, wasn't it? Tell me yeah. about about your parents, your mum and dad, and 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 the rules mm. and regulations in your household. My dad came from Dominica. And my mum came from Jamaica, they met up there, they had an early night and they made me 1961, 60 years ago. But when I was young, I really got, they could see a little bit of trouble with me. I couldn't see what they could see. So they sent me to a bull store at 12. And I think that was the best thing that could have happened to me because that's when it was tough. You know what I mean? At night time, they come through the sock with the, 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 the snooker table balls and come and do some damage, you know? So you got to fight your way up and get some respect going on. If they never had no respect for you, they bully you every single day. But it was a good school, good teachers, and a good way of life to uh, teach you how to survive and still have manners, you know, and get on with your life. So before that, Frank, you're you're in South London and you're you're hanging around with a, a, some dodgy <clears throat> lads and there's a bit Very of messing dodgy. going on and, and, and a bit of trouble brewing. Um, yeah. Were you were you heading in that direction? What was that direction before? Uh, uh, stupidity heading for that direction. I didn't do what they'd done. No, they never told me what they'd done. They were about five years older than me, so I didn't know what they'd done. But the excitement of hanging around with them, I got warned by the, the police, warned my my manager at the time, that tell Frank to stay away from these people because we're monitoring. And I had to stay away, and then they hated me ever since I went away. But my my career was more important than hanging around with people that uh, the police is after. Isn't it amazing sometimes how sport and really successful sports people, it ended up, sport ended up being kind of a way out rather than their first choice. It was a way out of something. What was a way out? Like sport, you know, um, for, for, so, for so many top sports people, when they talk about a significant moment in their life, it was when they decided to take up sport because they didn't want to go down the path of their peers around them or what their friends were doing. They wanted a sense of a sense of escape. It kind of was that 
And you almost think, is it because it's that last option that people then put everything into it because they know that it's their way out or what they've seen happen in front of them with their friends. They don't want to be that person. So they put all their energies into this way out, into this sport. Any sport, you know, it's very hard to do. Even rugby to get a good team together to match another team is, is, is hard. You know what I mean? That's 11 or 12 men on the pitch against one another and doing all sorts. But I, I've got respect for the rugby because I, I wouldn't go on the rugby pitch unless I got a hammer or a baseball bat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because um, that is what you call sharpness, fitness. And when the men get on top of you, they don't know if it's air, the thumb in your ear roll, the knee, you know what I mean? And all different things. But I, I'll take off my hat to them and respect them, but not me. I can't believe Frank Bruno thinks a thumb in the year all is worse than the punch in the face <laughs> of Mike Dyson. <laughs> yeah, at least he's got gloves on and a gum shield. <laughs> Frank, when you um, so when you when you're so your your parents smart people, eh? They spotted that something had to be done, and you were sent off to Borstal. And and look, you're a big kid, you're a big strong kid, and everyone thinks when you're a big strong kid, you cruise through life. But actually, you become a bit of a target, don't you? When you're you're a bit different to the others. How was that experience in Borstal? It was not nice, you know. What I mean, because sometimes teachers, if they never got their pudding the night before, they will come and take it out on you. And um, they were very big, big men, but. Their main job is to get some manners on us and let them respect them. But sometimes a teacher, if you don't do something wrong, they just jump on you and beat you or, or with the slipper and all them different things. But you've got to get used to all them things. When you're young, you go for a change where it's not like prison, but they give you a set of pajamas and slippers and you've got to go and tidy up your bed and then meet at a certain point. You've got to be at certain places. You can't be too late. But it was hard, but I feel good. In itself. Uh, it's funny because you, you read memoirs from people now and, and they, you know, and we'll talk about your, your struggles, your mental health struggles in a few minutes, but they'll always relate it back to childhood experiences. When you go, when you look back at those days in the B scenes in Borstal and being made to move away from home to, to sort yourself out, you, you, you don't blame any of those days? I don't blame them one little bit. I was naughty, uh, stupid in a way, but the, the, the gangster, the tough way, attracted to, to me, you know what I mean? But I soon got my head, soon I come out of the ball stool, I started to do some jobs here and there, and I just took up boxing from there. I had 21 amateur fights, got my revenge on the loss, and then I went, and when I was 18, you know what I mean, that's when my career started. Very confusing um, career, but that's where it started, and I thank God for every second I was involved with boxing, I came out all right. And might have a little twitch here and there, but that's all, that's all I, I can see so far. Why, when they're when they're beating your school, I mean, you're a future heavyweight champion of the world. Why did you just why did you just not knock them <laughs> knock them out? No, these teachers are very very trained um, quality. That there's a um, what's that? Uh, a Cardiff boyer, the Mister Esau. He you don't mess around with him at all. When you get him mad, he stands up like boyer and he starts going. His face is on fire. But he was a good teacher, you know, I mean, they taught us manners and looked after us. And we went a lot of trips and they've set out programs, all of us. And it was a good fun. Anybody that come from O'Call, we beat every team that we came across because we trained and we were fit, walking up hills every day to go to school. It kept you fit. No anger, Alfie. Amazing. No anger. Anger? What do you mean? Well, I just think it's interesting. This you're you're not, you, you look back with thanks to those days because you're, you, you felt it was needed and 
I guess, you know, and Alfie and I've spoken to a lot of people in these podcasts and they've reasons for being upset about things, but a lot of them would, a lot of them would look at those experiences very differently, Alfie, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, I understand that. I did get beaten. If it, the beating was today, they, I think they would have been locked up, I think, but I needed it, you know. My mum only gave me about a week when I left Bullstool ball to get a job. And I had to get a job because she would kick me out the house to get someone in to pay for the house. It's a lot of money. She was, she was a street lady, but there was logic to it. And she was a, a lay preacher. She, but she, she, everything she knew about the Bible, she was a good lady. And my dad was brilliant, both of them. But unfortunately, I was um, not the bad one out of the family, but the, the confusing one out of the family. It, it seems like to me, Frank, you know, like you, you've always had um, like a sense of control because I think with your experiences and a lot of people we've spoken to, it's very easy to be justified to lose control. So if you get, you know, if you get, I suppose, picked on or if you get beaten, then you 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 feel like you you have the right to be able to lose control. And maybe I wonder then when it came to sport with boxing, like a lot of my friends who do boxing, they say it's not it's not how hard you can hit. It's how much of a hit you can take. So with what you've taken, and you said you got you got beaten by in, in school and you you just took it because you had to. Yeah. Did you find then like the ability to be able to take a beating and be controlled over that was something that helped you when you became a boxer? You have to, even when you're out. You know, I mean when I got on the coach um bus, the blue bus, me and this ginger boy had a fight. I was boxing his ears off. And then when we got off the um, the bus leading into the school, he headbutted me and kneed me right in the Black and Decker. I said, this is how we do it in, down here. You know what I mean? And it, that's what that's what you got off the bus. You knew you had to be on your, your guard all the time because everybody had some anger in them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some anger more than others. But <laughs> if, the, if the boys couldn't sort them out, the teachers definitely would sort them out because they... You know, the people keep up a lot of noise. The teacher are jumping them and giving them a slipper and all that different thing. I've just worked out Black and Decker's pecker. <laughs> 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 There's the laugh! There's the laugh! There's the laugh! <laughs> yeah. If you don't pat them, that'll go right over the head because that was on the first set we were doing. <laughs> I was thinking, what, is that a drill? Is that, I don't know, what is like, what is a Black and Decker? Is it a sander? <laughs> the original. <laughs> i give you one. i I give you one. I was I was out recently with some mates and, yeah. and um and uh <clears throat> and this um this guy came over and he's he was really annoying and his little fella he was just going on for ages and my mate goes, Oh your man is such a drill bit. And I was like drill bit <laughs> drill bit. I was like, sorry, what's that mean? He goes, What's it? Small boring tool. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I'm writing um, that down. I'm writing that, that down. You can have that, Frank. You can have yeah. that, Frank. Um, Frank, <laughs> Frank um, what you haven't spoken about is, is the fact you're a dyslexic. And I know your, your brothers and sisters who are doing very well in life and doing well in education. And, and you know, I, I'm guessing dys, dyslexia probably wouldn't, wasn't diagnosed properly back in your school days. And there's a huge amount of stigma that goes with that. And and you're labelled very early in school when you're dyslexic, aren't you? Yeah, sometimes people pick on you. It's not a nice thing to have and all that, but it's, it goes with the flow. Some people who are dyslexic make it up in other ways and they, they they get very successful. Richard Branson, for one, you know, but yeah, I'm dyslexic, but I have no complaints. 
it's, I try to, I read, I can read, I understand the words of it, but I'm very, very lazy. But I read the Bible mostly every day, but people say you're dyslexic, but I can't find it difficult to put words together or whatever, but I can read, you know what I mean? So, so did you try and hide this when you was in school, Frank? Did they, or or was you hide it. open about it? I couldn't hide it because we had special treatments at our school, you know what I mean? To work, going in, desk, going in the classroom, with about 12 or 15 guys, they're just liberty takers. They come in and bully you and say, here's a dance one and whatever. You know what I mean? So uh, we had to go, I went somewhere else to have the test while the kids went to school and done whatever they had to do in the classroom. So the, the kids would always, and women would always take the mickey out of one another. It's just life the way it goes, you know? They nicknamed uh, me Blackwall Tunnel. Everybody in the school had a nickname. Parker had a nickname. Yeah. You know, we all had a nickname for the, the kids or each other. Craig Doyle's nickname is Drillbit. From now on. Drillbit. Hey, Alfie's one's Tiny Black and Decker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really want to know, look, you've had some huge fights and I think back to, you know, to 95, Oliver McCall, the world title fight at a packed Wembley, which was just sensational. Um, but I really want to hear about what was it like standing in the ring for the first time facing off against Mike Tyson? What are you looking at? What are you seeing in him? What are you feeling about yourself? When I was 18, I went to Mike Tyson, saved two weeks of him, Casamado. Mike Tyson was about 14, 15. We went to a place called Gleason's, where a lot of the Jewish have a hell farm, but they're allowed a boxing ring under the farm. So we sparred one another for about two months and we were talking, eating together, sitting down. But I knew him much more before other people knew him. So I didn't see him as what you see him. I know that he was a tough guy. I know that he's very fast and he's nasty. Come from uh, New York towns or 42nd Street. He used to do all different things when he was younger. That's why they put him up to um, the Catskill Mountains. But I see him in a different light than anybody else. You know what I mean? I, I was straight sparring when he was young and he got bigger, I got bigger, and we were supposed to meet. And we did meet for two fights, but somehow he won. No excuses at all. Did you ever have a sense of fear before you fought him, Frank? Or, or every fight, because... I've got a little bit of fear. Every ah. fight, every single fight. If the, the, the papers goes over, you're winning one round or whatever, I take boxing very seriously because you can get hurt. If yeah, you don't just... keep fit and know what's happening. So do you, you know think I mean? do you think to accept fear or to uh, uh It's good fear. Butterflies. Yeah. Butterflies are similar like fear. You know what I mean? The, the, yeah. People start sweating or people's got a ritual that they do try up their lace and put a wedding ring under there. It's all different how you can motivate um someone. Oliver McCall, he cries before he goes into the ring. How did you deal with your fear then? Because I think when they talk about sport and boxing, and also when we talk about stigma, it's a it's a sense of fear. So I think understanding the mental process you go through to be okay about living with fear is also very interesting. So how did you find it's it? It's very, very, very interesting. Sometimes I've got a butterfly more than a lot of people get a butterfly, but you just tell me what you got to do. Try and live right, go to bed, do what you got to do in the boxing ring and... Some, some you win, some you don't win, but I had a good innings, you know, so I couldn't yeah. complain one little bit. I enjoyed what I, I do, but sometimes you do get people sending you 
hate letters and on Facebook and all them different things. But as you get more older, you learn just to give them a little swerve and put them in the box, in the drawer, and let them give me what they've got to do because they can bring you down. Um, 95 world title fight, Wembley, how was it? Unbelievable. I fought there before in the open round with Tim Witherspoon and he beat me. But this is my last chance saloon and everything went into play. Frank Warren put the show on so brilliantly, it was nice. But I could put, I could chat about it and then the whole scene, the after the fight and the new confetti and whatever, just unbelievable. Bravery, that'd be in my heart for the rest of my life anyway. And the children's, I hope. Ours too, Frank. It's one yeah. of the great, like, I th I think about that. I think McGuigan against Pedroza, one of those greatest fights of all time. And, you know, just these moments. And you think, how can that ever be replicated? It was so amazing. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, that's a very powerful word you use there, but I've got to use it. I'll get my dictionary and understand that one. It sounds good. <laughs> but do you know what it is, Frank? I think, I think a lot of our, I don't think we'll ever be as attached to fighters as we were to the likes of yourself and and Barry McGuigan and, and and Mike Tyson. I just think it's a different era. I think that the, that age of innocence has kind of gone a little bit now and there's a bit more of a production line. It was a different time. Um, when you go from those highs, Frank, and I, I guess we're, we're, we're starting to dip into your mental health, you, you go from top of the world, champion of the world, king of the world, and then you go to Civvy Street, you're no longer a boxer. You're doing pantos. You're doing the odd advert. You're doing the TV shows. But, you know, you're going home at night and you're not training for world title fights. And retirement's difficult for everyone. I mean, Alfie will, I'm sure, pick up on this in a minute. But for, for, for you, how damaging was retirement for you mentally? It was one of the worst things I could have done. If I was sitting myself down, calm myself down, getting to be a trainer, I could have found my way to get out of boxing rather than just come out of boxing straight. But it's just... When they say hit you with mental health, bipolar, anxiety, and all these different things, I didn't have time to worry about anything when I was boxing. You manage yourself, and then things were like that. Butterflies in my belly, going for a walk, getting scared, you know what I mean? Not sleeping too good at night time, and things just flashed through your, your head, you know what I mean? And I put it into, I was always been, you know what I mean? That Christmas, get the kids bin bags, you know what I mean? There's class that has been bipolar if you buy too much stuff. But it's not nice to have not nice to live with because some days you're all right, some days you're miserable. And you wonder, why am I so miserable? Why am I, I can't get out of bed? Another time I got energy and it's weird. Very, very weird. Would you have maybe done anything when you look back at your career now? Would you have done anything different as far as not in your career as in your fights as in preparation for life after a after after boxing because i think so many people focus as we said earlier so many people focus on getting into that sport that they don't really realize the effects of the rest of your life after sport one of the nicest things that when i finished from boxing and when I had two years rest from boxing, I went into pantomime, I kept myself busy. So it was different exercises and whatever. And pantomime has been a saviour because I still kept going. I had to go to the gym every day and learn the lines and go and deliver. But I had a good, it's nothing that I can complain about. I'll see, but I can feel it. You know what I mean? If I, I'm standing there, my belly feels a little bit funny. You know, it's just an odd, odd thing to have bipolar. It's not nice and people have got it. 
somebody in a, a wicked way where they can't come out of the hospital because they, you know what I mean? They're very dangerous to themselves as well as the public. Frank, I, I, how was it telling people? Because it's changing now, thankfully, thanks to people like Alfie coming out talking about his mental health. But, you know, back in the day, people would see that as a weakness and they wouldn't talk about it. What, what was that stigma like for you? Very, very powerful. It happened for quite a few times where the houses that I live, when I would come to get sections, there's helicopter, two police cars, the mental health people, all outside my house, drama. And it's very, very shameful or whatever, but it's life and you've got to go with the flow, the system. So when you're a section, Frank, and... Um, Tell me, if you don't mind, I mean, why were you sectioned? How bad were things for you at that stage? Um, when I first got sectioned, I just got divorced from uh, my wife at the time and the kids weren't too happy. And I think I, I overburnt myself, wore myself down and didn't have the energy to carry on. I could see, not carry on. But I mean, I had to get the big house, 75 acres. I had to get four dogs. Um, it weren't nice going for a breakup like that, but it's, sometimes in life you do meet a partner, you fall in love, you, you, you tr after seven years or five years, it starts wearing off and that's how they felt. And I was glad to get away from it, but it's a very, very stressful um, thing to go with all different things that happened to me, the kettle overboiling. And, and your life had changed so dramatically because you're married and you're going on with your career, your boxing career, your wife was taking care of all those things that our partners do, be them male or female. You know, the things around the house are being taken care of. The next thing, you're on your own and you're having to figure out a washing machine and, and an iron and cooking. Do that to iron, do that to washing machine, I do that to cook. I can survive. But it's just the letters what come through the door. But you couldn't, could you? You didn't know what you were doing, did you? Because I know what I was doing. I know how to, I, I know how to wash up. I know how to cook for myself. I know the basic things. But it just got manic with the letters and people knocking the door. I just got, got confusion. Usually, when you're in the house, you like to know who's coming in the house. The kids were letting people outside the gates come in, press people. In the, 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 the um, It wasn't nice at all. Old press guys that come... Oh, Frank, I just want to do an exclusive. That's the last thing you want to hear at the time. But it's, it's life, you ask me a question. Um, having bipolar or whatever I got ain't nice at all, but I'm glad and I thank God there's a gym you go to and look after yourself and get the stress, stress out of what you're going through. It's kind of unbelievable, Alfie, when you think about it, and, and Frank, that at the time, I'll never forget the, the newspaper headlines. It's life, you've got to take the rough with the smooth. Rough and smooth. When you're a celebrity, you have to take the rough and the smooth. And but but do you not yeah, do you not feel though, Frank, that that you know? Well, I think it is. Is when you say taking the rough with the smooth, that actually is unjustified to a fact that they shouldn't have been allowed to say that because if if a newspaper says that it's okay for me as a headline to call Frank Bruno bonkers then it's okay for everybody to assume that Frank Bruno is bonkers. Sometimes I am bonkers. At Christmas time, you have a drink. If you see me sometimes, you, you have a laugh and you chill at home. But to be bonkers, the way she dropped it, front page, she's been in the business a long time. She should have dropped it a little bit more neater. But no, so it's a story. They got fined for it. And uh, they gave a little circle so by a cup of tea. What did you think... Then, Frank, regardless of what everyone else thinks, right? Yeah. What did you think when you knew that headline was out or when you first saw that headline? 
I just let it go over the head. You know, in boxing, you get trained to let things go over your head. But sometimes you you you, you take everything personally and you get anger. Um, it's not good to stiffen up yourself and get angry. You've got to play it cool and let things fly over your head. Because sometimes you get things that upset you and worrying you and stressing you out. In boxing, you need to keep cool and save your energy for when you go into the fight. So you learn how to meditate. You learn how to keep calm. If you go to a press conference and someone slap you around the face, you know, you learn just let him go, get on what he's got to do. If he's going to bad mouth you, you still let him go what he's got, got to do. You concentrate what goes into when ding, ding, round one comes. Then you always sit at the way. You take it out, out of him in the ring. Uh, Alfie, it's, it's amazing the way Frank found ways to deal with that. I guess one of the really damaging things of the... I guess one of the really damaging things about those kind of headlines is the effect it has on other people who have mental health problems, feel they need to get some help. They read a headline like that that stigmatizes anyone with mental health issues and goes, well, I'm not talking about this publicly. They go into the shell and they don't get help. So uh, yeah. uh, that's the damage of that stuff. Reinforcing stigmas, Alfie. Dangerous game. It's very, very dangerous. You know, you can't take the mickey out of people, but... To the stigma what they had about 10 years, 15, 20 years ago, people just walk past you, go into the shop, usually say hello to you, but duck their head down, or whisper, here comes the nut comes the nut across the road from the road you're walking down. So 20 years ago, it was much more worse than it is now, but there's some beautiful people signed up charities and helping people like myself and other people going through the same thing. Because, And I think also because so many people I think because so many people at the time and still do, you know, idolize Frank Bruno, you feel like if Frank if Frank Bruno is allowed to be picked on in this way, if Frank Bruno is allowed to be bullied in this way publicly, then I will never speak about my situation. Yeah, I was saying yeah. because it is it is gonna is it is gonna come it is gonna come at me. I am gonna be the victim. If Frank is allowed to be a victim as a as a British, as a world leader, as a world icon, if he is allowed to be a victim of this forms of abuse, then as somebody who is, you know, just living in a terrorist street somewhere, imagine the, the imagine the victimization that they could potentially feel could happen. To them, so it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't just end or begin with that headline about Frank. You know, it it has much wider, um, much wider consequences. Frank, it's amazing now when I look at your foundation, the Frank Bruno Foundation, the Frank Bruno Foundation. UK, might I add? But I mean, there, there is no, there is no way in the world a heavyweight champion of the world would set up a foundation to help people with their mental health 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. That must give you great satisfaction now that you're able to do that. Great satisfaction. I'm determined to make it work, and it is working. And once everything's settled down, I've got three sort of like units at the moment, and it's very good. Dagenham, um, Oxford, and Northampton. The one is the first one, and I can't wait. A lot of people's coming to the gym, doing about 30, 40 people a night are coming now doing the, the, the dancing and hitting the pads in the bag. And it's, it's good, very, very good. But I thank God I've had the opportunity to go and be sectioned, go in there and talk about there's people that are working that haven't been sectioned, haven't taken the tablets, haven't taken the injection, what I've got to take every month in your backside. 
So I've got the experience to go in there as a boxer and as a mental health or telling people to relax and come out of your shell. Because a lot of people are stuck in their house, very scared to come out because imagining very paranoid over nothing. So do you think now, where even though I'd like to think we've moved on, but I definitely know as far as stigma around certain issues, we've, yeah. we've progressed a little bit, but we haven't changed as much as as we as we'd like to. What do you, do, do you feel that um, that there are there are still an element of people who are afraid to talk about this situation because? of society's view or because of maybe, you know, a, a headline grabbing a journalist wants to wants 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 to kind of criticize them in some way. Do you think we still live in that society or we, we do, we're on? scared. You know, I mean the press will offer someone the fifty pounds or a hundred pounds to get a story or whatever. The the, the press are not Sherlock Holmes no more. They haven't got secret um private bumping into tapping into your phone or monitoring where you are. You know what I mean? But there is yeah. A lot more hope for people like you or people like myself and people want to stand up for human rights because right. if someone wants to be gay who are we who am i to say he wants to if it makes him happy will be god bless you you do what you gotta do it's not my business it's your business and people need to bat their nose out of your business and leave people to go on with life you know there's certain people that have been committing suicide over certain things that they couldn't come out or whatever it's a different yeah. world today yeah Frank, tell us about your how you're how you're working your life now. And I know you're you're you go to the gym a lot. You look in great shape. You're, you're Cheers, really thank you very much. Yeah, um, I try and go to the gym most days. I've got a wicked gym here. Um, I'm, I'm a music freak. I, I love music, and I've got m- music room set up, soundproof, so the neighbours can't keep on sending the police around my house <laughs> telling me to turn down the music or t- at one o'clock in the morning is not nice. But yeah. I've got, I go to the gym, the health farm, I go to the health farm, I train here, I keep myself active. Because one of the most important things when you finish from boxing, rugby or anything, you've got to keep yourself active and motivate yourself. Boxers, when they finish boxing, they put on a lot of weight because they don't want to run no more, they don't want to train. But, but the bipolar, what I've got, makes me train even more and feel more fitter in your mind. And with your body, has got to connect right, so... I'll go to the gym every day, sometimes twice a day. What are you bench pressing these days, Frank? I don't know bench press. I just do all different exercises. So I don't necessarily do bench press. Like bench press to sit, go behind you or pull up like that. Lie down. You lie down. Lie down, you push yeah. Up. I can nearly put, do my weight. It's one where I put, I put about 140 kgs in the bar, a bit less for Alpium. <laughs> I, I just pump, I just pump out three sets of 15. No biggie, That's like it, I don't yeah. want to talk about it. <laughs> Frank, you're missing a trick there because the bench press is the center of the universe. Is it you know, okay? that, that's where it's at. If you want to be a good rugby player, first of all, you've got to have a good bench. Oh yeah, yeah, believe and do something as well. <laughs> and you got to make this. Hey, you get to make this great noise. You get to make this noise. You go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone can see you in the gym. That's yeah. it. What's your um? What's your go-to song? Your go-to music track when you want to just chill everything down when the head's getting a bit busy and you don't like where you're going. What yeah. song do you put on just to bring yourself just down? Something smooth, you know. I mean, cool. And there's all different music with all different sounds. Ding, 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 and bells are going in the background. And you must relax when I count to ten and all that business. Yeah. Get into the flow of that. <laughs> Frank, can I, yeah. I 
Um, I, I really want to ask you um, no a fun. question, right? Um, I feel is is really important to me, and and I I think this whole I think your your outlook on things to help people. Yeah. So you've been through. Um, you've had a really successful life. You've been in the media spotlight. You've had your troubled times. How do you find it so easy to continue to be nice? Like, do you not find there's times where you feel, do you know what? I don't want to be nice anymore. I have, I am justified to be angry. I am justified to be sad. How do you stay so positive and how do you stay so nice? I'm a boy from South London, yeah? Um, when I was eight, I had a dream. I wanted to be a boxer. I got to 12. Unfortunately, the dream got messed up because my mum sent me to somewhere where she needed to send me somewhere where I could keep away from people robbing and smoking and doing all different shit. And that's part of my career. But, you know, you just got to keep calm, man. You know, some people would get up in the morning just to cause you aggravation. Some people get up in the morning if they see you on the road, shout out this at their window and all the things. you got to let them go and just get them with what you got to do. And just keep calm, man. You know what I mean? Try to keep calm as much as you, you, you got to, but you're going to have to, like me, the stress of worrying that as long as they're not touching you or threatening you or going near you or coming up to you with their shit, what they want to come up with, let's let them go, man. And smile. Just get on with life. Because if you worry about these people, then get some gray ears on you. You start getting as old as some of them. Enjoy yourself. Be happy, man. You're a nice human being, so F what they want to say. And I'm sorry to mention that name, but just get with your life. Make you stronger, man, because it's a different world, different times that people are coming out and doing what, you know what I mean? Yeah, Make, not getting attention, what they're p- putting upon their back and just coming clean and just, uh, I like, I'm a different and whatever. Who are we to judge? Amazing. Uh, amazing. It's been... um. It's been such a tough time for you at times. It's been such a brilliant time for you as well, Frank, in, yeah, yeah, in your career. It's been such a, such a mix. And and the fact you're sitting here today uh, looking great and, and and being so positive is a lesson to us all. Don't sure, let stigma you. beat us, eh? You can't let it because it's nasty. You get some vicious people that that's what they're good at, trolling on the internet and bullying people. You know what I mean? That's because they say he likes this or whatever. That's his business. It's not my... Is is there also like a real, um, I feel, um, a sense from you that there's an acceptance of who you are, like with all the baggage that might might come with you, is you have a sense of this is who I am. I'm not going to be able to change for anybody. So either like me or don't like me, but I'm fine with either. I'm fine if you want to like me, but I'm also fine if you don't don't like me and i think so many people go through it's just good man just go past walk past them get them what you gotta do you know, let them say all different things you're gonna hear all different i've had it as a boxer of people coming down trying to put you down mess up your mindset or whatever like slim shady's got one finger and he just you know what i mean let them get them what they're doing man as long as they don't touch you Words are cheap and nasty and they're hypocritical. Little low life, some of them. That's why I want to get up in the, in the morning to terrorise people, to scare people, to get them off their back foot. You know what I mean? Get them scared. It's, it's, it's a different era. Alfie, this is advice that can be taken right across the board, isn't it? Not just mental health, but I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's, and it's one of the reasons we're able to have these great conversations. Um, thanks to Vive Healthcare and the Terence Higgins Trust, they are all part of the Talking Stigma podcast. And I guess 
you know, the genesis of all these conversations, um, Alfie, you know, HIV and, and people dealing with that stigma, it's, it's over 40 years since the first case was actually diagnosed. And yeah. I'm kind of thinking, Alfie, it's, we've, we're coming a long way, aren't we, across the board, not just with mental health, as Frank's talking about, but, but with, with a lot of stigmas. But there's a lot of work to be done still, isn't there? Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think as, as Frank and so many other people who we've spoken to on, on, on this podcast is we have a realization that we progress, we are progressing, but people are standing up and asking for change rather than saying, okay, so we, we're better now than 20 years ago, but we've never, we never, we never really changed. I feel like there's people now who are really saying I'm fed up of progression to nowhere, to nowhere. I want to do something to create an environment where I can create change where people can feel safe to be able to talk about whatever it is they feel stigmatized against or be, uh, be able to change whatever it is that they feel is a problem with them. And um, yeah, and I, I, just, I just think that the more people we speak to, the more profile that these people have around what they're trying to do, the more people, the more people will listen. Um, I'm going to let you both plug websites. Alfie, you go first. People listening to this podcast, they want to get involved, they want to get some information, a bit of advice, what can they do? So for us at Tackle HIV, really the one thing that is key to us is education. So go to tacklehiv.org website or go to the Terence Higgins Trust website or follow us on social media at Tackle HIV. And we're really passionate about getting people to educate themselves so then they can educate others about people who are living with HIV. So then you have the ability to treat people living with HIV in the same way that you would treat everybody else. And Frank, you want to plug your, your foundation website? You want me to do it for yeah, you? Yeah, I don't even know my website, but I know I've got a book uh -huh. out and the website is in Northampton, <laughs> Standards Barn, <laughs> where it is, but the book is more important than the... the no, 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 it's, it's not clear. <laughs> hey. Do the I book go? is there. We all wear the book. <laughs> we all wear the book. Hey, hey. Trust me, Frank. Trust me, Frank. One man's book is another man's double glazing, brother. You've got me sound checkmate. You checkmate. You win. Your book, your your new book is Bruno, 60 Years of Fighter. Yeah. And, and you talk about all these challenges. You talk about the success, the glory, the sadness. Yeah. Um, was it helpful putting it all into a book, into into one place? Did it help you get rid of some of those demons? Very, very helpful. Very, very helpful. Because I went, I went through a good life and a bad life. As, and sometimes I forget certain different things and things remind you. But yeah, I mustn't grumble one little bit because I didn't get no O levels like yourself or A levels. I had to work, not as, you work hard, I work hard, but sometimes we've got to work the extra hard to just keep on ducking and diving and keep keep your strength and your belief up. No matter where, where you come from, what religion you are, or whatever your gender, just mind your own, do what you got to do, because we're only here on tomorrow time. Frank, I do feck all, I'm just, I'm just getting away with it, man. I second that, he does feck all, he does. He should tell him, Frank, he does nothing. <laughs> but he's good at his job, we've got to give him credit. We're credit yeah, he's good at doing nothing. <laughs> hey, man, all it is, is literally a career based on salon quality hair. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, Frank, your foundation website is www.thefrankbrunofoundation.com.
foundation.co.uk and if you want any information about tackling state it is a long one but it's a goodie (laughs) and uh, it's brilliant it's so nice talking to you so look that's just a great chat and just lovely to hear you know the good times and the bad times and you know if you feel you need a bit of help a bit of advice a bit of information a bit of education because education is never going to do anyone any harm at all all you got to do is go to the tacklehiv.org website or you can go to frank's foundation which is www.thefrankbrunofoundation.co.uk and while you're at it why don't you buy his book bruno 60 years of fighter uh, no harm in doing that at all. hey frank you have to do me one favor one last no favor because no i get a lot of early flights right all no. i want is your all i want is your big laugh right and Get out of bed, doily, right? Big get laugh out and bed, out of- Yeah. Get out of bed, doily. <laughs> oh, that's priceless. <laughs> God, you better give Alfie one. You better yeah. do one for Alfie. Get out of as bed, well. Alfie, please. Get out of bed, Alfie. Get out of bed, Alfie. <laughs> Wicked. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Oh, Frank Bruno, you are a legend. Yes, thank you very much for having this on the show, yeah? Thank you, Frank. Brad. It's Thank been you. great talking Thank you. to you. So good. And you take care of yourself and keep fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm.